This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In nature, we have a phrase that's called the perfect storm. And it's a situation that describes the events leading up to a massive and devastating hurricane or tornado that wreaks havoc in our cities. The perfect storm has a long line of elements falling perfectly in place to create this wonder of nature. We use this phrase in our vocabulary to, des to describe political events, but very rarely is this phrase used to its full capacity. One or two events did not lead to the perfect storm in nature. The wind patterns of the entire world must align perfectly for the path of the hurricane. The temperature, both from the origin point and the travel path, must give way to creating a greater force of wind. Even the moon, controlling the tides, can be calculated into the perfect storm. When you consider the massive impact that the forces of religious cults has had against Christianity, you truly could say that this was the perfect storm. The trail of this storm can actually be traced throughout history all the way back to the origin point, the Garden of Eden. All throughout time we find examples of the attacks that Satan has initiated against God's children. But when a hurricane is tracked, very few take notice until it becomes a threat. Some hurricanes may build force and the barometric pressure and the wind paths may turn it away from shore. So until it becomes a real danger, only the government agencies and meteorologists show any concern. It's very much the same way with religion. There are underlying dangers, violent, violently devastating dangers hidden within a religious cult. Pastors and apologetics stand with firm warnings that this hurricane will cause destruction. But the people do not take notice until an abusive pastor falls to the inner workings of Satan's new playground. But there's one major difference between the hurricanes of nature and the trail of devastation that we find in religious cults. As a hurricane is running at full force, leaving a path of buildings and houses laying in ruin, 
People do not focus on the skyscrapers that are now shortened to rubble. Once a building falls, we do not find large groups of people traveling quickly with their building materials, trying to find another good spot in the hurricane's projected path so that they can build another building that will lay in ruin. Their focus is the hurricane, and they are fleeing for their lives. It isn't that way with people attracted to religious cults. We have example after example, group after group, that has built entire cities in the pathway of the hurricane that's already made landfall. Religious cults are nothing new, but they seem to have exploded in the late 1600s after the prophecies of a mystic woman by the name of Jane Lead. Her Philadelphia Society cult seems to be the point in which the hurricane made landfall. From the time of her prophecies of the coming latter rain were given until the moment that we see right now, Leeds prophecies seem to point to the path of destruction of the very active hurricane, not as a warning sign to stay away, but as a recommendation to start building. Come on in, the water's fine. There were many elements to the perfect storm that has created the numerous religious cults that we find today. But it seems as though the fundamental elements that gave this hurricane the strongest force of devastation comes directly from Lead and her cult members themselves. And the most obvious point at which the hurricane started to build force as it barreled towards land was in the 1699 Lead prophecies whenever she gave her 60 proclamations. Whenever this was published, it gave birth to a new theology which would later become known as dispensationalism. The word dispensation means an exemption from a rule or a requirement. But in the theology of dispensationalism, the second def definition is implied. A system of order, government or organization of a notion, community, etc., especially existing at a particular time. The English Christian mystic had gazed into her crystal ball into the future of church, and she saw a little light that was growing throughout time until the Lord returned for his children. But this light does not seem to be the light of the gospel. History has shown that this light that Leeds saw was the light of these religious cults. The first ten points in her sixty proclamations summon up the elements that have been the foundation for every single cult having a false prophet as a cult leader. Hidden mysteries that must be revealed. Here are the ten, first ten points. Number one, there should be a total and full redemption through Christ. Number two, this is a hidden mystery, not to be understood without revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at hand to reveal the same to all holy seekers and loving inquirers. The completion of such redemption is withheld and obstructed by the seven apocalyptic seals. Wherefore, as the Spirit of God shall open seal after seal, 
so shall the redemption come to be revealed, particularly and universally. In this gradual opening of the mystery of redemption of Christ, doth consist the unsearchable wisdom of God, which may continually reveal new and fresh things to the worthy seekers. In order to which the ark of God's testimony in heaven shall be opened before the end of the world, in parentheses, age, and the living, in parentheses, 144,000, testimony that is herein contained be unsealed. The presence of the divine ark will constitute the life of the Philadelphia church, that's her cult. And whatever that is, there must be necessity of the ark. The unveiling of the living testimony within the ark of the Lord must begin with the promulgation of the everlasting gospel of the kingdom. The proclamation of this testimony of the kingdom will be as by sound of a trumpet, to alarm all the nations of the earth, especially all professors of Christianity, because attended with the power of working all wonders. Notice the words, promulgation of the everlasting gospel of the kingdom. As her prophecies begin to spread, the genuine pastors who read their Bibles stood firmly against another gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ was already spreading, and any other gospel was antichrist. But the future coming of this unsealing of this new gospel was already in motion. The perfect storm had indeed been created. The Gnostic idea that the mysteries must be made known in order to create rapturing faith had now been established in the seven churches of Asia Minor that the Apostle Paul traveled and wrote letters to would now be twisted into seven church ages. No longer would the original gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the seven churches no longer be the focus. The power of the gospel would be taken away, and that original gospel would be limited by this new gospel, that was coming for the age that the mysteries would be fulfilled. This twisted theology has created multiple prophets, each of which proclaiming the return of Elijah in another twisting of Scripture, the fourth chapter of the book of Malachi. Malachi 1.1 says that the prophecy of that book was written to Israel, not to the Gentile nations. And Luke 16, 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John, meaning John the Baptist. It says, Since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. In other words, since then we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in order to support this new theology, that a new mystery revealer would one day rise and open the seven apocalyptic seals, the original gospel must be made weak. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the one gospel by which Paul says we were all saved, was made weak to pave the way for these new religious cults. But with the perfect storm in nature, literally hundreds of elements combined to make the force of the wind much stronger. And this new theology of dispensationalism is no different.
it seemed to lay in the pathway of the storm to attract these elements of force. And the people started that were attracted to the storm started to take this new theology with them ahead of the storm to attract its devastation. John Darby picked up on this twisted theology and influenced Cyrus Schofield, which would quickly cause the spreading of this into the four winds that bred these religious cults. Of Prophet Joseph Smith, false prophet of the Mormon faith, Brigham Young writes this, The Lord had his eye upon him, and upon his father, and upon his father's father, and upon their progenitors back to Abraham, and from Abraham to the flood, from the flood to Enoch, and from Enoch to Adam. He was watched, he has watched that family, and that blood has circulated from its fountain to the birth of that man. He was foreordained in eternity to preside over this last dispensation. You can read that in the Discourses of Brigham Young. While the Apostle Paul said in the book of Hebrews that Christ signed the eternal covenant of grace by his own blood, the false prophet John Alexander Dowie limited the covenant by adding it to a dispensation for days gone by. In his publication, Leaves of Healing, Dowie teaches directly from Clarence Larkin's dispensational truth to say this, the sixth dispensation out of seven, the sixth dispensation is that of grace. That's Dowie, false prophet in Leaves of Healing. No longer would the new the covenant of grace be eternal. It was limited to a dispensation or an age. In the book, Studies in the Scriptures, Volume 5, by Pastor Charles Taze Russell of the Jehovah's Witnesses, Russell devotes a chapter to dispensationalism that he names the plan of the ages. In this chapter, he describes the current dispensation as the evil age or what some might call Satan's Eden theology. Rather than God being in full control, Pastor Russell says that Satan is the one in control until the next dispensation. Not only was the power of the gospel taken away, Russell took the power of God himself, took the power of God away. The Branch Davidians, the cult that produced David Koresh as the prophet revealer of the mysteries, rose with the same proclamation. Koresh was to be the one who opened the mysteries. The dispensation, Ben Roden, Branch Davidian, says this, The dispensation in which we are now living is to be those that ask. The dispensation of the Holy Spirit, Rosh HaKodesh. Ask for his blessing. It is time that we are more intense in our devotion. To us committed the arduous but happy, glorious work of revealing Christ, the branch, to those who are in darkness. We are called to proclaim the truths, the special truths, for this time, this age, this dispensation. Branham took this twisted theology one step further from the rest. Not only was the power of the gospel limited, not only was the power of God limited, not only was the prophet himself, 
to be the one to reveal the mysteries in order to fulfill this dispensation. In Branham's theology, the power of God was limited by the faith of his church. Instead of true sons and daughters of God, Branham taught that we were adopted children with bitter dispositions causing God not to want to adopt us as children. Faith in Jesus Christ was no longer the focal point. We must earn our salvation through rapturing faith. He says this, A Hidden Life, 1955, That's the reason, brethren, that we're holding up the adoption of God as our difference in life, and fussing and quarreling amongst one another. It's the reason that the veil can't drop behind us, and we can go into that presence of God. Later in the sermon, now on the inside of this inner court, called the holiest of holies, there was a piece of furniture sitting there called the mercy seat. And the covenant was in the ark, and the ark had two cherubims, and it was on the inside. That was the furniture inside the holy place. Next coming out was the golden candlesticks out on the laver. Now, it perfectly represents the age of Luther, Wesley, and Pentecost exactly. The three steps, or dispensations of His grace, had been given to mankind. We are in the last dispensation. The influence that these cults had over the church is devastating. Its path of destruction has a much wider reach than that of a natural hurricane. The entire body of Christ has suffered a devastating blow, and many of that body have severed themselves off to join these doomsday mystery-revealed cults. But make no mistake, God is not limited in power. God is in full control. This is not Satan's Eden. This is the world that's created by God and for God. Hebrews 1.8 says, But unto the Son saith, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The beast is given authority. But that authority is to deceive, not to rule. Revelations 13 says, It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. And by the signs it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast. It deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast. In other words, worship the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And regardless of any prophecy given by Jane Lead, regardless of how many men claim that they were openers of these seven seals, the Bible tells us that there's only one who can open them. Revelation 5 said, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, listen to that word, conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. There was a mystery. And while these religious cults will distract you from the true mystery that was revealed, proclaiming that they were the mystery revealer, the Apostle Paul has already told us who that mystery is. 
Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Romans 16, 25. And he says this, Our letters have been straightforward. There's nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. 2 Corinthians 1.13 Even Jesus himself told us not to look for mysteries. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Mark 4.22 John the Baptist proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If there was any dispensation to look for, John pointed to it. Before Calvary, Christ said that the kingdom of heaven was near. But after his death on the cross, all scriptures point back to that day at Calvary. No scripture points to another gospel that must be spread. Religious cults, especially those with doomsday prophecies, will convince you to fear lest your vision of the last dispensation be missed through repetition, their sermons and their writings. They will program your mind to believe that if you do not accept their gospel, which claims to reveal the mysteries, you will miss their version of the rapture. But there is no fear in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says that it is by grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And this salvation is not because we did anything for ourselves, learning mysteries or following cults or practicing works righteous faith. It was a gift. And it was a gift from God. Here's what the Apostle Paul has to say about these cults spreading their gospels. Paul says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach some other gospel than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that I preach is not of human origin. I received it. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. That's the Apostle Paul. Galatians 1 6 through 12.